Welcome to episode number 95, Terra and Finding Happiness. I'm your host, Damon Soka. First of all, if you've enjoyed these podcasts, I simply ask that you send it along to someone else who might enjoy them. Second, the podcast is still looking for volunteers to tell their stories. If you have a mental illness journey you would like to share, you can contact me at dtsocha at gmail.com. Today's story is about a wonderful daughter, mother, and grandmother whose bout with bipolar has taken her life in many directions. Far too often, we think that bipolar disorder, clinical depression, treatment-worthy anxiety are death sentences. We might even wonder if happiness can be found when a mental illness journey comes to call in our life. If you had to pinpoint one important aspect about Tara and her journey, it is what she says about it herself. Just because you get diagnosed with a mental illness doesn't mean you can't be happy. I've had many wonderful life, a wonderful life while working through my own mental illness. And I can certainly say that Tara means what she says. During our interview, I have rarely met someone so upbeat about life and even mental illness in general. Now, before you go saying, well, Tara must be just one of those lucky, outside-the-bell-curve type of people who can deal with mental illness and still stay upbeat in her life, the truth is, is Tara's life was not always as cheerful or contented now as it has been now as it was in the past. Much has occurred in her life that many would say does not lead to happiness or contentedness. The ter- Tara's happiness is her ability to see life in a joyful way, despite the difficulties that might face any one of us. Now, Tara's story starts out where most stories do. She has a delightful childhood experience and begins life with a stable family and what we would term normal experiences. Nothing in her childhood ever stuck out as problematic or prophetic about her mental illness journey. Then, during her teenage years, things appeared to have changed. Tara states specifically that she began running with the wrong crowd. Now, I took this to mean that she made friends with individuals who did not share her same level of moral conviction. Now, this, these friendships led to a more troubled teenage life with, with some early, very serious dating and ultimately ended in a pregnancy. The pregnancy led to some very serious choices about marriage and relationships and abuse. Now, before I move on to the troubled marriage problem that Tara faced, I want to address something very important about teenage life and mental illness. Tara and I are somewhat similar in age. One of the major problems with having a mental illness during our teenage years is that it was never discussed when we were teenagers. Neither one of us really knew that it was possible to have bipolar as a teenager. Tara was never diagnosed, nor was I during our teen years. We both thought the same thing about our feelings. This was just what normal teenage life felt like. There was no discussion stating if your feelings are these particular types of feelings and you have them in abundance, you might want to get checked for mental illness. During our teenage years, mental illness was not really looked upon as it is today as an illness. In our generation, people who were mentally ill were in institutions, and they were crazy. So we probably would not have considered ourselves mentally ill. One of the more unique things I have noticed about individuals who are diagnosed later in life, and this is especially true when it comes to bipolar disorder, is that their teenage years always seem to be chaotic and troubled. This was Tara's story, and as I listened, I began to hear similarities in journeys I have heard in others. 
Of course, that doesn't mean that every child or teenager who wanders down an errant path is mentally ill, but the out-of-character, out-of-nature behavior does seem to be an indicator that mental illness should be considered. Now, this is especially true during teenage years when mental illness often develops and begins to show really its devastating effects. Now, Tara's story led to something not uncommon in the journey of the bipolar. She decided to get married to the father of her first child uh, when she was 18. This was after much counseling and discussion with those around her. Of course, the marriage itself was not the issue. Given all the information and various concerns surrounding the pregnancy and the decision and their relationship, the marriage appeared to be the correct one. However, the relationship quickly became abusive, both physically and emotionally. The abuse was severe enough that less than a year into the marriage, she decided that she'd had enough and attempted what we will call her first recovery from the abuse, and she left the father and that marriage. Now, ultimately, she did return to that marriage briefly, but something she overheard a police officer state to her mother actually stuck in Tara's thoughts. The officer stated to Tara's mother that it wasn't unusual for an abused woman to return to her abuser. He said that the pattern was that she would get beat up sufficiently, that she would leave, and then later return to the abuser. He said that this pattern would repeat itself until two, one of two things happened. The woman ended up dead, or she was eventually discarded by the abuser. This had a great effect upon Tara, and gave her actually an ability to break free from her husband and really begin life over. I won't go into all the manipulation that causes the abuse cycle to occur, and all of the nuanced internal and external forces pushing the abused to return to a terrible situation, as that is not really the subject of this podcast. Interestingly enough, though, it is not uncommon for bipolar individuals, especially women, to find themselves in abusive relationships. Beyond the mental and emotional manipulation of the spouse, the bipolar disorder tends to create a dependency in the relationship that causes an inability to leave the situation. The bipolar effect of going from bulletproof and reckless to depressed and dependent and the overall feeling of worthlessness creates such a void in the way one feels about themselves. The dysfunctional relationship then not only provides reinforcement to the idea of worthlessness, but creates a dependency upon the abuser for support. Now, yes, I know that seems very counterintuitive, that an abusive person provides support to the one that they abuse, but it is part of the manipulative relationship to keep the abused feeling worthless and dependent. The mental illness, bipolar in this case, tends to reinforce the idea, and they become stuck in a terrible pattern. Tara was lucky enough, as we might say, to be able to find the strength to overcome the patterns of abuse within mental illness. But I think that she's likely to tell you that the Lord may have intervened just a little to help her on her way. This doesn't mean that her way was easy or even perhaps joyful. She returned to the small town where she grew up and began to pick up the pieces of really a shattered life. Abuse destroys so many wonderful things about marriage and the spousal relationship and leaves open wounds and scars where really no one could ever see them. It really takes courage to start life over after abuse, and this is especially true when someone has left the church and taken a different path. We would all like to say that we are open to the people returning to church and that we don't judge, but the reality is sometimes quite different. The scars of abuse 
do not heal easily, and often mental illness does not allow healing to take place in proper ways. It can take far longer for someone to heal from an abusive relationship that has a mental illness. In Tara's case, her efforts to return to church began actually to bear some fruit after, t- after some time, and she met her now current husband while attending institute. Now, you will have to remember that I have not stated that Tara has been diagnosed at this point in her life. In point of fact, she has not been diagnosed yet as having bipolar. This would actually take another set of occurrences. Tara and her husband actually began their new life, and soon enough, more children would come along. Now, Tara felt those same overwhelming feelings as she did as a teenager, but this time, those around her could not call them teenage hormones, so they became pregnancy hormones, and of course, trauma from an abusive marriage. And so her mental illness remained undiagnosed, and she struggled through a world of emotional states. Then she did something that many of us who are dealing with emotional troubles do, and this can actually be a sign of mental illness. She began to read as many self-help books as possible, hoping to, quote, fix herself. There is a world of self-help books that will tell you what is wrong and promise you how to fix it. And of course, you can do all those things that they say, but they are not going to fix a mental illness. But people can spend years believing that they need to fix themselves, when in reality they really need to address a mental illness and those resulting symptoms that are causing the desire to fix oneself. Self-help books can be frustrating and self-defeating to someone really trying to fix issues with a mental illness. Now finally, something occurred that brought Tara to the point of understanding. After several children and a new pregnancy, she actually needed to find a new doctor because her old baby doctor had moved on during her fifth pregnancy. This doctor, however, was more adept at asking questions and looking beyond the mask state. Tara mentioned that this doctor, she was very good, or Tara was very good at masking, something I have actually discussed regularly, and this was true even for her doctors. She could mask very well from the doctors. Now, just as a note for those who may not have heard those episodes about masking, it masking is the ability to look very normal emotionally when your emotional state is anything but normal. Masking is a symptom of mental illness. And as I have said in the past, something that everyone who suffers mental illness does to a greater or lesser extent. Often, sufferers mask their emotions even without full, fully understanding that that is what they are doing. Now, Tara would mask her feelings during doctor's appointments, but this particular doctor realized that something was off. Something was happening outside the normal emotional states we all experience. And after some discussion, like almost all bipolar patients, she was initially diagnosed with depression. Tara's depression was, like most depressions, far easier to figure out. Mania is not so much because we feel very good when we're naturally high. So we naturally don't talk about it. The doctor was able to see the depression, but really was unable to see the opposing sides of the bipolar disorder. Now, given the short time frames that doctors see a patient, bipolar is almost universally misdiagnosed in many instances. Now, as part of her treatment, she was actually prescribed an antidepressant, which is pretty normal. Generally, antidepressants work very well. However, antidepressants can cause problematic side effects with some people. For instance, an increase in suicidal thoughts. But in other cases, antidepressants, especially 
in other cases with bipolar, antidepressants without a mood stabilizer can cause the bipolar to swing into a mania stage. Such was the case with Tara, and she spent the next two weeks on a mania high. Now, she didn't do necessarily anything crazy, but the mania was enough that when she returned to the doctor, a true, what we'll call real diagnosis was obtained, which was rapid cycling bipolar disorder. Now, with a mood stabilizer as a medication and an antidepressant, Tara actually began to live a more stable life. Now, talking about medications, often it is the case that bipolar patients need medication to help with the swings of the illness. It is rare for me to talk to someone who is diagnosed with bipolar and really not prescribed medication. The medication itself attempts to rein in both the low, low side of the lows and the high side of the highs, keeping the mind and emotional state within a more limited range. For some individuals, this can feel terrible in the sense that they do not reach the highs to which they are accustomed. It doesn't mean that they aren't feeling more normal like the rest of us, but for them, the mania highs are their normal, and being unable to feel them causes the body to feel as though it is depressed or, in some cases, numb. Many individuals diagnosed with bipolar, unlike clinical depression or even anxiety disorder, will go on and off medications throughout their journey because they cannot reach the highs to which they are accustomed. The problem with intermittent use of medications is simple. Rather than provide some relief to the illness, it can increase the likelihood of suicide or other detrimental outcomes. Now, we don't often talk about the changes that can occur to a mental illness over a lifetime. It is important to understand that mental illness does change with age, time, experience, and life. And of course, to the extent that it is also managed. Some individuals will actually no longer feel the mental illness to the extent that they have previously in their life. There are actually many instances of bipolar fading out over time. Hormones, chemistry, and physical body changes and mental changes really cause changes in the mental illness over time. It is important that individuals who have mental illness are continuing to seek medical professionals in their journey, especially because mental illness does change with time. One of the more important things they don't tell you, though, about medications in time is that actually medications can stop working. A good medication is likely only to last about a decade before it no longer really provides the useful benefit, and you are really just left with, left with the side effects. In Tara's case, however, time and aging have caused her symptoms to subside, for the most part, and for her, the medication at this, at least this point in her life was no longer needed. Now, medications are likely going to need to change over time for most people based on how their illness progresses or regresses in the case of Tara. It is just one of those things that most people don't know because it really isn't common knowledge or discussed that many, if not most medications stop working effectively over time and our illnesses change over time. Mental illness is not going to be the same at 25 as it is at 30 or 40 or even 60. Mental illness can fade as one matures or morph into different symptoms or sometimes even progress, although that is not common. What this means is that mental illness should be evaluated really on a regular basis. I asked Tara what she does now that she isn't taking those medications. She stated that she uses mindfulness, 
weekly therapy as two of her major sources of help, but she also included music therapy, of course, sunlight, and exercise as important factors. Now, she is currently monitoring her illness and making sure on a daily basis that she remains within important emotional limitations. For now, her illness is within control, and she is doing well. What is most important is that she didn't just quit the medications and then just acted as if it had never happened. Once you have a mental illness, you will always need to monitor your thoughts and emotional states for clues, and you need to listen to those around you. Most of the time, the subtle changes that occur in our bodies and minds showing the illness returning will be caught by someone else close to you before you can see it in yourself. Now, they are not likely to say that looks like your illness has returned. They are going to state something about you has changed or something about you feels different. When this happens, it is definitely time to evaluate. Tara's story is remarkable in many ways, and if I had to really, truly look at what has happened, the Lord's hand is far easier to see in hindsight hindsight, than in the moment. There is no doubt that even with mental illness, she has been guided and directed in her life. One of the things that she emphasized over and over during our interview was that you can be happy and have mental illness. She says that she has many wonderful memories of family trips, events, and times when life has been very good. When she was first diagnosed and looking for support, she actually did what most of us do, went to these online groups, and she actually joined a couple of them. What came to light was interesting to her, and part of the reason why she was very interested in sharing her story. Many people in those support groups thought that a mental illness diagnosis really meant a lifetime of unhappiness and misery. While anyone with mental illness would not admit would admit there are definite struggles, happiness and the joy found in life is not automatically surrendered to an untimely illness and diagnosis. Now, Tara has found this to be very true in her life. As I listened to her story, there are several things that struck me. The first was her optimism about life. Even with the struggles earlier in her life, including the pregnancy and the difficult outcomes, and the times when life didn't feel all that good, she has really been able to overcome and look back with understanding rather than condemnation of herself. The second was her ability to view her actions and symptoms from a third person. She mentioned that she mentioned during her interview and during the story that part of her mania was an inner rage. Now I call this kind of an agitation factor. Your body and mind simply get aggravated and agitated without sufficient rest. And this can lead to this type of frustration and rage. Uh, This frustration manifests really differently depending upon the person. For Terry, it was rage. The ability to view feelings from a third person, your own feelings from a third person, actually allows a person to isolate particular symptoms and plan a remedy before the feeling becomes overwhelming. Third was her positive focus on life. She has a positive outlook on life and sees her experiences as valuable, even the ones that are not so positive in nature and that have caused her serious pain and sometimes confusion. Sometimes our lives are simply a matter of perspective. I personally love the 17th chapter of 1 Nephi in the Book of Mormon, and I think it illustrates what I am discussing and what Tara is trying to communicate. In that chapter, Lehi and those journeying with him have arrived at the land of Bountiful, what we assume is now somewhere on the Indian Ocean, in an oasis. We know that every person who journeyed with that group experienced the exact same set of circumstances, 
and difficulties associated with them, including the one difficulty of eating raw meat during the entire time frame, which is the one most noted by Nephi. As you read chapter 17, you notice this positive focus on life effect. Nephi recounts the journey as one blessed by God and how he was strengthened and nourished and how means were provided for them throughout their journey. Laman and Lemuel recount the exact same circumstances and experiences, but look upon them in a very different way, stating the following. Behold, these many years we have suffered in the wilderness, which time we might have enjoyed our possessions and the land of our inheritance. Yea, we might have been happy. For Nephi, happiness was found in the journey and the blessings that God had bestowed upon them. For Laman and Lemuel, those exact same set of circumstances and blessings were actually seen as suffering and a lack of happiness. So much of mental illness is perspective. And while I understand that mental illness changes that perspective in the moment, and there are many difficult moments, when we look back and see the blessings of the Lord, we can choose to see the experience as suffering and unhappiness or as learning and how we and learning and happiness. And how we perceive it will definitely determine that happiness. I really felt this from Tara, and that she truly viewed her experiences as learning experiences and blessings from the Lord. While most of us don't see our experiences as valuable in the moment of suffering, looking back, we have a choice to perceive what we have been given as a journey where we were strengthened and nourished by the Lord, or as Laman and Nemuel, where we might have been happy. I enjoyed my discussion with Tara and her optimism and our overall interview. I hope that her perspective has helped you as actually as much as it's helped me. Until next week, remember to do your part so that the Lord can do his.